Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Jehocraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, uh, this Christmas Day. Merry Christmas to all of you who are listening, both locally and abroad. It is a great pleasure to be bringing to you Theology of the Body on this great uh, solemnity of the Incarnation, this day that we call Christmas Day. It is interesting. I, I wasn't sure we were going to be talking about theology of the body this day, but the more I thought about it, what a perfect topic to be talking about, huh? On the day we celebrate God becoming flesh, <laughs> here we are talking about the relationship between flesh and spirit, body and soul. So what a joy it is to reflect upon theology of the body and our call to love as God loves on this great feast of the incarnation of love. Truly, truly, a special gift we have been given from John Paul II, this great topic of theology of the body. If you're a faithful listener out there, you know well that we are going through the work, uh, The Love That Satisfies, which is a, a book that is a reflection on the first half of Benedict XVI's a great encyclical, God is Love. And in that first half, he gets into eros and agape, eros, that human erotic love, and agape, divine sacrificial love, and how we are made to see both in light of each other. And so in chapter one, we talked about encountering God who is love. In many ways, maybe some of our, our reflections that might come out from uh, a, a day like this, huh? Christmas Day. One of the things that Christmas Day reminds us is that if, if we have this image of God being an old man with a white beard ready to strike us down whenever we fail, uh, if we have this idea that God is an anonymous force that set the universe in motion but cares little about his creatures, if we have this image that, that God is a tyrant, a taskmaster, a punitive policeman just waving his finger, what we are reminded of today is that is a bunch of hogwash, right? <laughs> no way, no how. He is not about this master-slave relationship. He is father and we are his children. And he calls us to share in his inner life. We have that wonderful paragraph from the catechism. God himself is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the good part for us, my dear friends, he has destined us to share in this most powerful exchange of love. And we do so by being little. We do so by calling upon God as Abba Father. And this is what we are reminded of today, this Christmas day. So amen to that. So, we are in chapter four of this book, huh? Uh, True Eros, the title of the chapter is, is True Eros, and we are on pages 66 and 67, excerpt number 26 from his work. 
You know, where have we been in this chapter? Well, again, true eros is to always be understood in light of agape. So in this chapter, um, we have been reflecting upon the deeper meaning of eros in light of agape. How eros is the seed and agape is its bloom. Huh? In the marital embrace, you cannot have the bloom without the seed. Up to this point in this chapter, there has been a particular focus on the need to see our spouses as irreplaceable, an unrepeatable gift, and how we are called to draw from the source of divine love if we are going to love our spouses to heaven. If we are going to truly love them forever, then we need to draw from the source that is forever infinite, right? I mean, if we were left to our own resources to carry out the Lord's design, we would fail miserably. I mean, men and women find themselves in a tragic bind when they embark on marriage, huh? They yearn for a love that lasts forever, but on their own, they simply don't have the resources to see it through. And for those of us who are married, we know well what this is about, huh? This is why we need to draw from, as we've talked about before, that new wine that Christ gives us at Cana, huh? That grace, the great gift of the New Testament, of the new covenant, is grace. Remember that powerful image that we've talked about before as it relates to grace, sap. What is sap? Where does it come from? Well, sap comes from a tree. Sap contains the water, the nutrients, even the hormones of the tree itself. Sap is the essence of the tree, okay? Grace is like sap, where God gives us all of his life-giving properties to share in his very essence. When we draw from this grace, we live in his truth. When we draw from this grace, we are empowered and emboldened to love our spouses as God calls us to love our spouses, as unrepeatable, irreplaceable gifts. Okay, now let us turn to excerpt 26, as I noted before. Benedict XVI says this, Love is indeed ecstasy, not in the sense of a moment of intoxication, but rather as a journey an ongoing exodus out of the closed, inward-looking self towards its liberation through self-giving, and thus towards authentic self-discovery and indeed the discovery of God. Mm. Let us turn to a very important document that comes to us from Second Vatican Council and one of John Paul II's favorite paragraphs, not Gaudium et Spes 22, but Gaudium et Spes, paragraph 24, okay? We read this. Man, who is the only creature on earth which God has willed for itself, cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of himself, right? What was the exchange between the rich young man and our Lord? Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Our Lord looks at him and he says, give everything away, give everything away. And he looks back at him, but, but, but Lord, 
what do you intend to mean? What do you intend to say? All that my father has worked for, you just want me to give it away? Exactly, our Lord says. <laughs> you can only discover yourself to the degree that you give yourself away. And of course, the rich young man goes away empty because he doesn't turn himself over. He doesn't give himself away to our Lord. Conversely, we have a figure like Matthew, a tax collector, who arises and follows our Lord. So the decisions before us, are we going to embrace that? Hmm? Okay, so man who is the only creature on earth which God has willed for itself cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of himself. I love that paragraph. This is another way of saying that love is man's origin, vocation, and destiny, huh? The human being was created from love and for love. Apart from love, the human being cannot find himself. He does not know who he is. He has no true identity apart from love. This is why St. Therese says, my vocation is to love. We offered up the image in past programs. If, if birds are most happy when they are flying and fish are most happy when they are swimming, the man is most happy when he is what? Loving, loving. Okay, and what about God? What more can we say? God did not create us for his sake. Why would he need us? He is perfect. <laughs> He's the sum total of perfection in his own Trinitarian exchange of self-giving love, right? God created us for our own sakes, in total generosity, so that he might bestow on us a share in his own bliss, a share in his own ecstasy, our existence is a sheer gift given to us so that we might experience God's self-giving love. As so many saints have said, and as Christopher West says here, all is gift. Today is the great gift, huh? The great gift of the infant king. If we let this truth just kind of sink in, it should change everything. It should become the starting point as Emeritus Benedict XVI puts it, an ongoing exodus out of the closed, inward-looking self towards its liberation through self-giving, right? God has no needs, huh? It is all gift. All gift. If it is true that we are created to serve God, the service we render God, believe it or not, is first to allow Him to serve us. Do we forget that our Lord came not to be served, but to serve, as Matthew 20, 28 reminds us. The great mystic St. John of the Cross taught that what we give back to God is precisely what he has first given us, his love, his Holy Spirit. In this way, again, we too are caught up in that eternal exchange of love between the Father and the Son, which is the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, if it is true that we exist for God's glory, this is not so that we can glorify God, but so that he can glorify us. Because why? As creatures, we cannot possibly add to God's glory. We can only show it forth. This comes to us from the Catechism, paragraph 293, where the Catechism quotes St. Bonaventure, 
St. Bonaventure says this, the great Franciscan theologian, God created all things not to increase his glory, but to show it forth and communicate it. For God has no other reason for creating than his love and goodness. I love that from St. Bonaventure. God created all things not to increase his glory, but to show it forth and communicate it. So happiness, therefore, comes not by grasping at it, but by receiving the gift God has desired to give us from all eternity, which is love. And the more we receive life's gift, my friends, the more we want to live as the same gift to others that life is to us. Only in that beautiful, reciprocal, mutual exchange of receiving and giving the divine gift of love do we discover who's, who God is and who we are. Remember, before we can grasp the meaning of the task, we must first understand what it means to be in God, to draw from the source. We cannot give what we do not have. And this, again, rests at the heart of theology of the body. God is self-giving love. And we are created from this love so that we can receive it and share it with others. Specifically in the context of theology of the body, the real epiphany comes when we realize that an image of this great mystery that we are talking about now, that is God's love, is stamped in our very bodies. That is a favorite phrase of, of Christopher West, how this great mystery is stamped in our very bodies. Sexual difference is the most concrete expression of gift in the created world. A man's body makes no sense by itself, nor does a woman's. Only when one body is seen in light of the other do we discover the unmistakable plan of the creator and the call to be what gift? That which is to be given away. Christopher West notes within this context, you know, <laughs> we have heard it said from women, boy, he thinks he's God's gift to women. Well, <laughs> in this sense, he and every man is God's gift to women. And women are God's gift to men. That's the point. God has given men and women to each other to mirror the eternally faithful, generous, generating exchange of love found in the Trinity. There's that great line that comes to us from John Paul II's Theology of the Body, where he speaks to the spousal meaning of the body. And he says this, It is the body's power to express love. Precisely that love in which the human person becomes a gift, and through this gift, fulfills the very meaning of his being and existence. Let me say that again. This is one of the great points that comes to us from John Paul II. It is the body's power to express love. Precisely that love in which the human person becomes a gift, and through this gift fulfills the very meaning of his being and existence. My dear friends, if we are ever to live Eros as a path of true ecstasy, we must learn to read the true language of our bodies. Our bodies proclaim a great mystery. As we've talked about it before, they're not only biological, they're also, and even more so, theological. They speak about who God is, who we are, and who we are called to be. This is why John Paul II in Theology of the Body says, This is the body a witness to creation as a fundamental gift and therefore a witness to love 
as the source from which the same giving springs. He goes on, masculinity, femininity, namely sex, is the original sign of God's creative donation. This is the meaning with which sex enters into the theology of the body. Again, the sexual urge is that raw material for the more authentic love to develop. The giving of the flesh is never to be seen exclusively in the conjugal act. No, but also in every aspect in how we turn ourselves over to our spouses, where we are truly made to sacrifice, discipline the flesh in all that we do. Amen. Okay, returning to the work here, page 69, I'm going to excerpt 27. Benedict says this, Whoever seeks to gain his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will preserve it. Of course, there he's quoting our Lord. In these words, Jesus portrays the essence of love and, in, and indeed of human life itself. You know, Christopher West here in his book shares a very apt metaphor to get at the heart of it. More of a story, if you will. He says this, while watching the ski jumping event during the 2006 Winter Olympics, I heard the television commentator observe that the key to ski jumping is getting your body to do something that your brain tells you is suicide. Right? So <laughs> right when every hardwired self-preservation instinct is screaming at you to pull back, you have to thrust yourself headlong into icy thin air as... Christopher West notes, life is like a ski jump. <laughs> so it is, we must see this within the context of losing ourselves. We must fight every self-preserving instinct. And with an act of faith, we must thrust ourselves headlong out over the precipice, not clinging to, to anything and everything. Huh? This is the great human tendency. You know, we have that tendency to cling to things that don't liberate us, that do not liberate us, do not free us, huh? But what really are we clinging to anyways? We cling to finite things when Christ offers us infinity. Again, this is a great message that comes to us this Christmas day. We cling to the now when Christ offers us eternity. I, our local pastor, a few months back, he was talking about materialism. And he, he said, you know, I, I've never known a U-Haul truck to follow a hearse. <laughs> Point well taken. Why do we cling to the stuff that sticks around? Huh? Why? Oh, we all do it. We all do it. And is this not the weight of being human, my dear friends? That God respects our choices? The burden of being human is the freedom to choose between good and evil, which ultimately means we must choose between heaven and hell. We prefer finite pleasures, fleeting pleasures, but why? These are the things that lead us down the path of the adversary. Why do we choose the path of the ad adversary? Why do we choose the path of evil? Why do we choose the wrong? Because our concupiscent appetite, our inclination to sin, our, our, our desire to feed our sense appetite, yes, 
but it is also how much we believe in the gift. It's about how much we actually believe in what today, Christmas Day, is all about. Do we really believe it? Or on December 26th, did we get so wrapped up in the seasons that we're now focusing on Valentine's Day as the consumer culturists, huh? We need to enter into the gift. We need to enter into the gift. Because if we don't believe in the gift, we don't believe that God is love. We might think we believe, but in the end, we often don't trust, huh? That God wants to give us that eternal wine of satisfaction. So we grasp at the cheap stuff and we numb ourselves to the inevitable results that only give us pain and heartache. Do we believe that God is love, that he is gift, that he wants to grant us the deeper desires of our hearts for happiness? If so, then what do we do? We lose ourselves in order to find ourselves. This is the paradigm of the gift to experience the happiness for which we yearn. To experience the happiness for which we yearn, we need only open to the gift of faith. For faith, as John Paul II reminds us, in its deepest sense, is the openness of the human heart to the gift, to God's self-communication in the Holy Spirit. For some of us, we live in that paradigm of denial. Mm. At the other end of the spectrum of total gift is the paradigm of what? Denial. That God denies the satisfaction of our yearnings for happiness because he is not love. God is not gift. He does not want to share his life with us. To experience the happiness for which we yearn, we must, at least for some of us, we think in this paradigm, okay, ignore God, bargain with God, manipulate God or even battle against God. And what ends up happening? We end up clinging to whatever scraps of pleasure we can find in this finite world because at a deep, unconscious level, we believe that this is all there really is. That's tragic. Tragic. The Christian paradigm that is so radically different is so exciting. It says, open your hands, let go of all that you've grasped for and hoarded and clung to, and you will be given as a free gift all that you truly desire. Sell all you have, give the money to the poor, and you will have infinite treasures. Lose your life, and you will find it. Give yourself away freely and totally, and you will recover and discover your true self. And I love what Christopher West says here. Do precisely what your brain says is suicidal and you will soar, vivified with new life beyond your wildest imaginings. We need to open ourselves up to the gift of infinity. And my dear friends, it will be freely given to us. This is a most exciting truth that comes to us on Christmas Day. Hmm. Christopher West, at the end of this chapter, says, you know, Here's the human conundrum in a nutshell. We are created with a desire for infinity, but as finite creatures, we have no access to it on our own. 
This places us in a position of radical dependence on the Infinite One to grant us the gift of Himself, His own infinity. Do we believe He will? Do we trust in the gift? That is the question, and everything turns on our answer. Well, I could not agree with that more. <laughs> I simply cannot agree with that more. You know, for some of you out there, I have mentioned it before. What we are talking about here on this radio program this evening was at the heart of my dissertation. And one of my conclusions in my dissertation is essentially what Christopher West just said. <laughs> Do we trust in the gift of Jesus Christ and the life that he has in store for us? Do we? Trust is the most concrete act and virtue of faith because it is the place where decisions are made. Mm. And it bears repeating as we talk about the language of the gift that God inscribed a sign of this good news right in our bodies by creating us male and female. This news of what it means to be a gift. Whether we seek to gain our lives or lose our lives will be determined to a large extent by the way in which we live our bodies, the way in which we live eros as something either self-giving or self-serving. That's the tension. And we are called to make choices in that tension. And out from those decisions, out from those choices, do we either create more tension or do we find ourselves liberated? So my dear friends, do we believe in this gift? Have we received this gift of love? Do we live in this gift of love? Remember that we were created from love for love, and apart from love, our life has no meaning. To deny the gift of love is the beginning of all suffering, of all evil, and we can even say of every human tragedy. Today, Christmas Day, Christ enters this world of denial with the specific mission of refuting its basic paradigm by affirming with his bodily life and certainly with its paschal mission the great truth that God is love. Do we block it out? Is it so incredible and impossible to believe? Take the risk. Take the risk. Take the jump. Take the leap. The adventure that is on the other side of our yes to Jesus Christ is extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary, and it won't leave you with the heartache that we are left with on so many occasions. There will be pain, there will be suffering, but it is one that actually leads to joy, not the kind of despair that we find on the other side of our human efforts, of our human grasping and clutching. Remember those words from John Paul II. Christ reveals the full meaning of man, just not in flesh, but flesh and spirit, just not in body, but body and soul. He shows us that we are more than just what we do, but ultimately who we are and who we are are children of God. And on this rests the greatest truth of our Christian faith that we've been given the capacity to cry, Abba, Father, and so we do. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.